0: Ephesians! Oh, I've been loving this book. I hope you've been loving it too. For me, those first three chapters, I like to give it the title The Wonder of the Gospel. The wonder of the gospel in chapters one to three. Oh, hi. And look at what God has done. And then after we get to chapter four, okay. and <laughs> wait, I keep going, we no, keep going. Paul says, therefore, and we switch gears at the start of chapter. 4. Am I still on? Sometimes I'm still on, we're okay. <laughs> 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 Something there, there Dan. <laughs> no, <just see> <laughs> Alright. Anyway. Everybody awake. We're ready to roll? I feel like I should start again. Should I start again? No. <laughs> okay. For me, chapters one to three are about the wonder of the gospel. And, you know, look at what God has done. This is what Paul's saying. Look at what he has done. And then at the start of chapter 4, we get, therefore, look at the wonder of the gospel. Therefore, now, walk the gospel. How do we walk it out? How do we enter into it is what chapters 4 to 6 are all about. And I enjoyed Tim's sermon last week on the fivefold ministry. I just thought it was so interesting the way he unpacked it and beautiful about how these gifts are used to equip and serve us, the saints, for the works of ministry and to grow in maturity, and that a healthy community is alive in all five of these areas of gifting. I think it's le- left a lot of us wondering or questioning, what is Tim? <laughs> which one is Tim? And I'm just going to leave that mystery hanging there. But I also love the way Tim unpacked the week before that, and I want to revisit it quickly. He's unpacked that word worthy, um, which Paul says at, in verse 1, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And I think many of us hear that word worthy and we immediately, don't I go back Angus, we immediately begin to feel weighted down when we hear that word. Walk in the manner worthy of the calling. Um, We can have thoughts like, man, I'll never be worthy or I'll never, just go back one, Angus, I'll never measure up. And it's true. You probably won't. Um, let's be humble, let's be real. We're never going to probably measure up. We're never going to be worthy. And if we're thinking of it in that way, we misunderstand this word. Because as Tim explained, it's about coming into balance with what Christ has done. He is the one whom is worthy. He is the one who has done enough. He is the one who has all the holiness, all the righteousness. We are to come into balance, bring our lives into balance with what Christ has done with what the gospel looks like, sounds like, lives out here on earth through us. And you can jump to that next prison cell slide now, but I wanna give you a bit of an analogy here. You know, imagine if I was held in a prison cell for all my wrongdoings, for all my mistakes, and then along comes Christ, and he pays for it all. He pays for my mistakes. He takes all the punishment upon himself. He opens up the doors of that cell to captivity of captivity to sin. And he says, you're free. Come, live a different way. He says, take off your prison gear. Put on garments that I have for you, ready for new life. And imagine if I responded, praise God, thank you, Jesus. But what if I never leave that cell? I might praise him, exalt him, thank him, but what if I never step out beyond that captivity? I never change my garments and get dressed for new life. Never actually walk out of that cell. And that cell, it could be like, it's that world that I know I've lived in for so long. It's the bars through which I see myself. It's the behaviors perhaps we've lived out over and over in repetition for years, some of us. It's the sin perhaps I'm caught up in. The cell defines me, my thoughts, my beliefs, the state of my heart, it can run so deep. But I'd be crazy to stay in that cell, wouldn't I? I'd be crazy, and Paul is saying to us, take off the prison gear and get yourself dressed for new life, but it takes partnership. It's gonna take us partnering with the Holy Spirit and coming into balance with this gospel life. It's not about, and I wanna be clear about this, It's not about striving to measure up. It's not about striving to measure up. Christ has done it all. Now walk, says Paul. Now walk in what has been accomplished for you. Enter into the victory of gospel life. Don't have to live a life of captivity to sinful ways any longer. It has been paid for. The cell has been unlocked. And you know what? We've just spent so many weeks... Basking in the goodness of the gospel, haven't we? And the power of the gospel in chapters 1 to 3. Therefore, says Paul, now walk in the reality of it. And this is what we're unpacking now in these next amazing chapters in Ephesians. And we're going to shift gears tonight. We're looking at Ephesians 4, if you've got your Bible with you, um, verses 17 to 24. And I've got that up next, Gussie, but it's a little bit small. And I want to apologize. I thought it would be bigger but a teeny tiny font. So if you can't read that, always just bring your Bible to church, then you won't have a problem. But anyway, I'll read it out for you. Now I say, this, and this is ESV. Now this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. in true righteousness and holiness. So with verse 17 at the start there, and you can jump to the next one, Gussie, is Paul starts to get specific on what it looks like in these chapters to walk in the fullness of what Christ has accomplished. But he kicks off with a warning. He actually kicks off with a do not walk (laughs) before he says, now walk this way. And he paints a pretty dark picture. Um, Darkened understanding, alienated from God, callousness, hardness of heart, given over to all kinds of ungodly desires, ignorance. It's a pretty painful description, let's be honest. And his statement, the futility of their minds. I mean, it's a little bit offensive, Paul. (laughs) But it is, it's a bit offensive. It really grabs you, it hits you in the gut. And I want to just unpack for a moment the use of this word Gentiles here. You know, it's rather a use of it being in the context of those who have rejected God. It's really an image of humanity after the fall. You know, it's a picture of the old self, which you'll see from verse 22. We all need to lay aside, Gentile or otherwise, we all need to lay off this old self. So how do we do it? How do we lay off the old self? Because surely we don't wanna live a life with darkened understanding. We don't wanna live alienated from the creator God, the giver of life who says, I am love. We don't want to have hardened hearts, right? I hope someone's with me tonight on that. (laughs) Because sin is destructive, yeah? Sin destroys relationships, drives us in the direction of greed, lust, murder, adultery, slanderous words, theft, pride that puffs ourselves up and pushes others down. It guides us on roads where sin is the root cause of oppression and injustice, violence and hatred. Who would want anything like that ruling the way that they walk and the way that they live? And they were just the first things that came to my head. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure, you know what, if we were honest, I'm pretty sure we could all think of an example of sinful behaviour from our past or even maybe we're caught up in it right now in our lives. Yeah? And... It's creating more often than not. I bet you it's creating a, a wake of a damage or a path of damage that's creating a wake of destruction behind it, right? But in Christ we find another way to live. In Christ there is freedom to walk a new way. And in verse twenty-three we find the answer of the how. In verse twenty-three, it is in verse twenty-three to be renewed in the spirit. Of your minds, I believe that the greatest battleground that we face in our walk is the battleground of our minds and our hearts. The condition of our mind and heart shapes how we think, how we see the world, how we see ourselves, how we respond to circumstances. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What an incredible statement. Everything you do is going to flow from the state and posture and health of your heart. So first of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the mind tonight. Romans 12.2 is another great verse that highlights this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Paul is helping us through this passage to reconcile two things, a one-time event of transformation and also this continual ongoing process of transformation that we're in. Verse 23, to be renewed, that word to be renewed is present tense. It means it's emphasising continual action, keep being renewed. You can read it like that, keep being, continually be renewed in your mind. Why? Because there's a lot of renewing to take place. I don't know about you. There's a lot of things that need renewing in my mind and in my thoughts. You know, just ask my husband about the state I can get my mind into at times. and I'm sure he'll give you some stories. (laughs) There are a lot of old ways of thinking that we can carry that need to be brought into balance with the truth of God's word. Because thoughts are not necessarily facts. I say that again. Your thoughts are not necessarily facts. There can be ways of thinking that we need to surrender, repent of, or need to be dealt with the cross of Christ. And it's hard to work, walk a certain way unless you, first of all, believe in your mind that it's the best thing for you. So let me tell you. Can I encourage you that God is so good, and He wants to father you into the fullness of your calling and your destiny. And he wants to do it, first of all, through your heart and through your thoughts, through the thought life. And he knows we can't do it in our strength. So he's given us the Holy Spirit. And all we need to do is partner and invite him in. Every day, right, we have thousands of thoughts. Thousands of them. Emotions, urges, memories, feelings that consume our minds. And this, for some of us, I don't know about you, but can seem like such an overwhelming task. Your 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ. How incredible. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know what the devil loves to get into our thought life? With all kinds of sneaky little lies. I mean, he's been up to the same game since the Garden of Eden. He loves to tell lies to distort your thoughts about yourself or or your circumstance. And he gets in there with these little lies because I think if he can get us to believe a lie, it's much more likely we're then going to act upon it and behave upon it and live it out. So when it comes to our minds, this verse in Corinthians tells us, you know, one of the greatest weapons we have is to know the Bible, to know the Scripture, get it into your mind. Truth lives in Scripture. And the other weapon we have, so we've got the Word of God, and the other weapon we have is the great companion and partner we have in the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, my friend Hannah and I, we used to have this thing and we still sometimes do it. We used to do it more. Maybe we are a little bit more healed up. I don't know, but we used to have this thing where we'd be just having everyday girl chats, whatever, or we'd even be in the car driving somewhere. And one of us would say something and the other one would be like, stop, that's a lie from hell. (laughs) And it sounds intense, but bear with me. Let me, let me like, just get this out. So we used to be like, stop, that's a lie from hell. And the other one would be like, We'd catch each other for each other in those moments. Um, let me give you an example. It could be something like maybe we're chatting and I comes out of my mouth. I say, you know, I, I'm, not sh- I'm, I'm worried God's gonna, not going to show up in this circumstance. She'd be like, stop. That's a lie from hell. And in that moment, we'd just pray really quickly, like there yeah, on the spot. I wouldn't let it linger. We'd actually together just pray. And we'd have this little prayer. And I've got a slide for it um, called Repent, Renounce, Replace. So quick, so easy. So let me show you how this works, and hopefully this can be a tool that you use. So in that moment, when they say that particular lie, I would just stop and be like, God, I repent of believing the lie that you're not going to show up for me, or you're not going to be there when I need you. I repent for believing that. And then I'd renounce. Why renounce? Because renounce is where that spiritual welfare comes into play. I renounce, by the name and power of Jesus, Jesus any stronghold that lies had on my life. And then you've got to replace it. When you remove something or uproot something, you want to replace it with the truth. So I'd say, Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Oh yeah, Hebrews 13, five. Your word says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the truth. And I might just say, God, help me to know your truth and live in your truth. And then we'd be like, yeah, cool, and keep chatting about whatever it was. We just take those thoughts captive in the moment. Something so easy that you can do. And now, now, I'm no psychologist, but one of the major schools of treatment for patients is called cognitive behaviour therapy. And the basic idea is that our thoughts, our cognitive life, affects our feelings and behaviours. Like, psychologists use this technique all the time. And the basic idea is if we can take thoughts captive and not allow them to dominate our minds, then our behaviours will begin to change over time. How amazing then is it that God basically told us to do this 2,000 years ago? How incredible. Like he gave us this tool 2,000 years ago. Take your thoughts captive. This is going to help train you, equip you, disciple you, cause you to grow, to look more like Christ, to think more like Christ, to behave more like he would behave. And it's amazing to me that while the world has tried to do this in its own strength, we get the Holy Spirit to help us. So another example is you might have a train of thoughts of bitterness or unforgiveness. And when that train of thoughts starts to bubble up inside of you, maybe stop and pray the Lord's Prayer. Oh, Father, forgive forgive me my sins as I choose to forgive those who sinned against me. Jesus, show me how to forgive. You see, it's about developing disciplines of faith that allow the Holy Spirit to actually start to renew our minds, renew our spirits. Because of what Christ can done, our thinking can change. Do you believe it? Because of what Christ has done, our thinking can change. Our understanding can change. The condition of our heart can change. But this is not like something that happens in a day. Like, boom, okay, I'm fixed, my mind is renewed. This is like bit by bit, step by step, piece by piece, we walk it out with him. And let me be clear as well, like, psychologists and counsellors are amazing, and if you need extra help with this, go and get it. But know that you've also got these two incredible weapons in the Word of God and the Spirit of God by your side as well. Use them. So before we shift gears onto the heart, there's this pivotal moment in the passage. So just pop the next slide up there for me, Gussie. There's this verse 20, and these words just jumped out at me. You learned Christ. You know, it's so interesting that Paul didn't write, you learned about Christ. He didn't say you learned about Christ. He said you learned Christ. It's such interesting language. You know, it's really like saying to know Christ. You learned Christ. It's to know Christ. And this all happens. Renewal of the mind, of the heart. It's all going to happen through this pivotal moment, through the relationship with Christ. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. And those are two very different states of being. You know, and so why would it be any different with Christ? You know, we have friendships when we can finish each other's sentences, right? We know each other so well, we can finish each other's sentences, we can give each other a glance or a nod and know what the other one's thinking. You know, we can have that kind of relationship with Christ. And the more time we spend in his presence, investing in this, we begin to understand. As we spend time with him, we begin to understand how he thinks. We begin to know what Christ would do in certain situations, how he would respond, because we know him and we know what he's like. You know, we are born into this culture, we live in this culture. You know, you've been absolutely immersed in the culture, you know, in parts of the northern beaches or Australian culture. You think like an Australian or like a beaches person. You, you think that way. You know that way. You live that way out. You behave that way. It sort of infiltrates so much of who you are. Imagine then if we were to be completely immersed in the presence of God. So immersed in His presence that His culture becomes our culture. His thoughts become our thoughts. His actions get lived out through our actions and our life. We want to be immersed in His presence so let's talk. Oh, you know, just let me say there's a tag note. Whatever you need to do to grow in relationship with Christ, just do it. Just go for it. He's the best Savior you'll ever know. Ever know. And now let's shift gears. Let's talk about the heart. And we're going to look at verse 24. I think it's on the next slide. I've highlighted it. But I'm just going to read it for you in the message version. So a little different slide up there. Because I love the way the message puts this. It says, take on an entirely new way of life a god-fashioned life a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as god accurately reproduces his character in you transformation starts within on the inside in the depths of our hearts like i said to shape our thoughts our beliefs our character our hopes and desires it's amazing this is an incredible work Who you are now on the inside, what has happened to your heart because of Christ and is continuing to happen, should start to come into balance with your external choices, behaviours and actions. You know what? So much damage has been done to the Christian faith because of hypocrisy and because of the balance being out of whack between the gospel message, the person of Jesus Christ, and the outward behaviour of the church at times and Christians. And the only way that's going to change is renewal. Renewal of the heart and renewal of the mind. You know, I love the way this passage says, as God. It's incredible. Two little words tucked in there, as God. A life renewed from the inside itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character within you. God does this work. And it's a work only he can do and he has and he will if we're willing to surrender to it. We're not told to be idle in the process. We need to engage. But Paul is shifting gears here, encouraging us to bring into balance what we say and what we do with the ways of Christ. It's so challenging. It's so good. And let me read for you, and I have it on the next slide as well, Ezekiel 36. I love this passage. And I've actually... Oh, I no, haven't put it up there. But every time I say I... I want you to think God, Jesus is saying this. Every time I read I in the passage, think God, think Jesus. I, God, will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put my, and I, and a new spirit, I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Christ, this is what he does. And it's amazing and it's beautiful and it's not a chore but a delight. And he's counting on us to display his likeness to the world. And there's a truth here in this scripture in Ezekiel about Christ's desire for our hearts not to be hardened but to be soft and fleshy. Why? Why would he want us to be like that? Why would he want us to not have hard hearts, but do such incredible work to pour out his spirit, to cleanse us and give us a heart of flesh? I think it's because then we can grow. I think it's because then we're more easily corrected by him. We're soft towards him and his correction. I believe it's because in the heart, is where we experience life and we experience in, in all its fullness, right? Hearts become hard because of hurts, because of wounds, because we all go through trials in life that suck and damage us and bad experiences. But he wants to soften your heart and heal your heart. Because why? When we experience his compassion, then we're able to be compassionate to others. Because when we experience his forgiveness, we know then how to forgive others. And we want others to experience that forgiveness as well. When we experience his love in our hearts, then we're able to go out and love the world as he loves it. It's a heart-to-heart connection. You know, and I can tell you, I had such a heart of stone. Due to some pretty big trials I went through in my teenage years. And I really shut down in my heart. I didn't want to feel because feeling was too painful. So I kind of made that decision. I'd just rather not feel at all. Maybe someone in here can relate. But it also meant I didn't fully experience all the wonderful feelings and all the wonderful things that life had to offer. Because you can't compent marti- comp- compen- marti- Thank you. Compartmentalize your heart. You can't. If you shut your heart down, if you guard your heart in bad ways and negative ways, you build up hardness, it's going to affect how you experience the world
1: in other ways. And I had a
0: pretty radical experience of God healing those wounds. And after that healing of my heart came this incredible experience of my emotions coming back to life. It's hard to describe and it maybe sounds a little bit wild, but I'll try and explain. I'll try and put words to it. So I had this heart the healing, amazing time of healing ministry to my heart. And then I was lying in my bed and I was just praying to God and I felt the Holy Spirit say, call to life your feelings, your emotions, start speaking them out, start calling life back to those things of your heart. So I was like, all right. So I started listing emotions. Then all of a sudden the word grief came out of my mouth. And I was like, I just began to wail. I was really wail. Gosh, so emotional. This is what it's done to my heart. i being soft and fleshy now. But I actually began to wail. And it sounded like a baby elephant. Like, it was so embarrassing. Like, it mm, sounds like that had never come out of my mouth before. But all this grief I tried to bury just came out. And then I said the word joy. And the next minute I was, like, hysterically laughing with joy that I just hadn't experienced in years. And I went on and on with all these different emotions. But in the fullness of God, made me to experience. You know, grief is not bad. Grief is part of the human experience. We grieve because we've loved so much. So we want to feel it all and experience this life to the fullness. It's like Holy Spirit was just breathing on my heart and awakening life back to it. And it was, you know, I became much more attuned to sensing His Spirit, to discerning His voice you know, I became softer to reacting to how others were feeling and experiencing and being able to bring, I guess, something of the touch of God to them. He renews our hearts. He renews our minds. And with his help, we can walk it out. You know, when I went after a life of ministry or pursuing kind of this calling, I had no idea. And my experience, it was very much that God wanted my heart first. He, like, called me to a ministry school, but really what he wanted to do was like heart surgery on me. People ask me what was ministry school like? I'm like, it was heart surgery. It was God healing all the wounds, taking my heart apart, putting it back together so he could use it for his glory. You know, he's called us to this process of transformation so that we might radiate his true likeness in this world. And the phrase we need to grasp is not, because God, we must now... No, but rather, and I've got a slide for this, is because God has, we can. Gussie, next slide. Because God has, we can. Because God, we are. So not because God we must now, but because God has, we can. Because God, we are. So we need to take off the old and put on the new. Verse 24 says, this new self we are to put on is created after his likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. At the end of the verses we're looking at today, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness is that new self we're to put on. I could preach a whole sermon series on holiness and righteousness, but let me just say this as I close tonight. His righteousness is more than enough, Christ's. His holiness is more than enough. We are being sanctified after his likeness, which is mind-blowing. I mean, just meditate on that for a minute. He is sanctifying you after his likeness. His likeness. That is extraordinary. So to be sanctified, it's to surrender. Yeah? It's to lay down. It's to let go of our pride. Take off the old sinful ways. Lay it down. Start there. And put on and learn to walk in that new self. Get dressed for this new life in the gospel. And truly, I believe that begins in the battleground of our minds and hearts. It starts there. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. May we enter fully into it. May we faithfully walk it out, powered by the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and trust in him that he has accomplished this victory so that we can walk it out. So let's stand.